If you decided to listen to this week's message of Daxadeo Fichard Park, we know that Jesus has placed something on your heart. So let's dive in. It is week two of our series, One Another, and we're preaching on family. So speaking of family, I just want to take a quick moment to brag about my beautiful family. So I brought some photos along tonight as well. Photos of my incredible husband, Neil. He's at home with our beautiful uh, baby, Benji. He's a teacher at a high school in the city, St. Andrews. And look at that face. Can we just appreciate that face for a moment? He is a bloody cute, man. He is just so cute. He's such a happy chappy. And um, I love them to bits. So they send their warm regards. They are at home and they are definitely praying. Benji's definitely praying for all of you. I think he's praying in tongues because he's just babbling a lot. So let's just call it heavenly tongues or whatever <laughs> that may be. If you are a visitor tonight... If this is your first time visiting us as a church family, or if this is maybe just your second or third time visiting us as a church family, this is an excellent Sunday to be visiting us. Let me tell you why. So if you've ever wondered, how does church work? What do the people do in church when they get together? Why is church such a big deal? Then tonight, my friend, if you're visiting with us, if you're new, if this is your first time, if you've only been here a few times maybe, tonight you get to sit back, relax, and just enjoy. If you're a part of this church on the flip side, if you're sitting in your chair and you think and believe this church is my church, then you may be uncomfortable for a few minutes tonight, but bear with me because it's going to be an incredible journey. We're preaching on one another. The whole idea of church being family, because you see, there are a lot of misconceptions about church out there, right? A lot of people uh, think that churches are, you know, just a kind of a, a sub uh, a sub path when it comes to the entertainment business. So it's all about the lights. It's all about the music. It's all about how cool the pastor can be. You know, it's all about the vibe and all of that. Some church, uh, some people might believe that, you know, church is charity. You know, we are here to meet the needs of the people and get this, even though our church is charitable, you know, we are generous and we do believe in making a difference in our city. Church is not a charity, right? But there are even people that think church is just there to kind of form the moral baseline when it comes to morality, right? They are the ones that just give the rules on how we ought to live life, how I ought to go about my business as a Christian. But here's the thing. When you start studying the Bible, not even studying because it's really easy. When you start reading the Bible, the Bible paints a picture when it comes to church within the context of family, children, brothers and sisters, all belonging to our Father in heaven. Jesus makes this statement uh, in John chapter 1 from verse 12. He says, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, or this, uh, not Jesus, this is John writing, he gave the right to become children of God. He could have written followers of God. 
He could have written fans of God. <laughs> you know, he could have written anything, but he chose to use the word children. And then he goes on to say, who were born, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. You see, he's making it very clear that once you take that faith step, you know, once you decide to place your faith in Jesus, you not only, you are not only inheriting eternal life on that side of eternity, but you're also inheriting something on this side of eternity. And guess what that is? The person sitting next to you. Some of you are thinking, well, I got a bad deal. Like, <laughs> if this is my inheritance, Eugene has none, <laughs> like there's nothing next to him. <laughs> you see, when you become a child of God, you not only inherit eternal life one day, you inherit something right now, and it's the people sitting next to you. Your brothers and sisters in Jesus. And tonight what I want to do is really simple. I want to talk about, okay, listen, if these people around me are my brothers and sisters, how do we go about church together? What does it mean if this person next to me is my brother or my sister? Because here's the truth about siblings, right? You don't choose them. You don't submit an essay to your parents, you know, and then they provide, you know, whatever you desire for them. No, you are given siblings, whether you want them or not, whether you like them or not. And I know you might be thinking, some of my brothers and sisters in this place I love. Like we get along, they're nice, they have pretty good noses, but there are other brothers and sisters sitting in this room that I do not get along with. So tonight we want to keep it really simple. I want to go on a journey with you. What does it look like? What does church look like? if we are brothers and sisters. So that's why if you're visiting, this is a great Sunday to visit because you can just like sit back, relax and be like, listen, this is what you guys should be doing according to that tunny on stage, right? <laughs> the most important thing when it comes to our engagement with each other as brothers and sisters is this. Paul writes about it in Romans 12. He says, be devoted to one another in love. Very short sentence, but it packs a punch because it makes kind of like two arguments. It says, one, you need to be devoted. Isn't that crazy here, right? You need to be devoted to one another. I need to be devoted to my brothers and sisters next to me in this aisle that I'm sitting in. And then he adds on, not only should you be devoted to them, as in giving time and energy and care and affection, but you should do that that in love, not obligation. Because I don't know about you, but I, I'm, I grew up with two older brothers. They're twins. And then we just used to say, you know, we have to love each other. We have to love each other because we're siblings, right? Whether or not I like them, whether or not we get along, I have to love them. It's my obligation as their sister, as their sibling to love them. But that's not what Paul is speaking about here. This is not that kind of love. It's a genuine affection for the people around me. So what I want to do is this. I want to look at three things. 
three really basic principles on how we, right, not only you but me as well, how we as brothers and sisters ought to go about life together. If we take God at his word, if I take him at his word and he says, listen, the people sitting next to me and around me, they've been given to me as siblings, whether I want them or not, but now we're family. But how does that look like in church? Three really simple ideas. One, brothers and sisters build up. Two, brothers and sisters call out. And three, brothers and sisters come under. That's what we want to do tonight. Firstly, brothers and sisters build up. In Romans 14 verse 19, Paul writes and he says, So then, let us aim for harmony in the church and try to build each other up. Now, before he gets to this sentence, the whole like first half of Romans, the book of Romans in your New Testament, Paul spends time explaining, explaining the gospel. He writes about what sinning is. He writes about how sinning is bad because it separates you from God. It creates guilt and shame. He spends time explaining how Jesus came. He died for us. He paid the price and he rose from the dead so that you and I can inherit eternal life and live in freedom. The whole first half of Romans is dedicated to just explaining the good news of the gospel. And then the second half of Romans, Paul gets practical and he starts writing, okay, now that you are saved, now that you know God, now that you are no longer, you know, in debt to your sin, now that you no longer have to live in shame and guilt, what should a Jesus following life look like? And he starts writing, build up your brothers and sisters around you easy to break down. Eh? We break down easily. Like, we break down easily. Anything. Myself included. No, I'm joking. <laughs> but he writes, build each other up. First, uh, First Thessalonians 5.11 says, encourage each other. Build each other up. Colossians 3 verse 16 says, teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom that he gives. Can you see how completely countercultural church is supposed to be? Because out there, the culture is what? Listen, it's every man for himself. You do you, boo, all right? You just make sure you survive. Don't worry too much about the people behind you, next to you. They need to figure out life for themselves. And here Paul writes, in a kingdom culture, when you are born again into the family of God, one of the most natural things is to build up your brother and sister sitting next to you via your gifts, via your time, via your energy, praying for them, encouraging them. There's a word in your Bible that's to edify. It's to build them up in their journey with God. First one we really like, brothers and sisters build up. Everyone's like, hallelujah, amen. I'm on board with that. But the second thing is this, brothers and sisters call out. What do I mean by that? Let's read together. Hebrews chapter 3 Verse 13 says, you must exhort each other every day. Don't worry about that word. If it's uh, difficult to understand, we're going to get to that in a moment. But he says, you must exhort each other every day while it is still today so that none of you will be deceived by sin and hardened against God. Here's the problem. If you do Christianity alone, you're vulnerable. 
my friend, my brother, my sister, if you attempt to do your faith journey alone, you're vulnerable. You're vulnerable to the schemes of the devil to try and snatch you and destroy your life. Why? Because we all face temptation. We all have temptation biting at our heels. And here he's busy writing and he's saying, in order to prevent that, in order to prevent your heart hardening against God, in order to prevent you falling into sin that will destroy your life, guess what is one of the best tactics against that scheme of the devil? The person sitting next to you. Some of you are like, hallelujah. Some of you are like, oh, shucks, I don't stand a chance. Like, if this person next to me is like supposed to help me. One of the most natural things brothers and sisters do is what? They sort each other out. <laughs> ne? They sort each other out. They tell you when you mess up. They tell you, listen, that thing that you are doing, stop doing that thing. <laughs> You're destroying your life. And when it comes to church family, one of the best things about belonging to the spiritual family of God is that we get to belong to a brother and a sister that can call out the truth of God in me when I struggle with sin or temptation. Quick ad break for a moment. I know this very specific thing has definitely been abused in church, right? Hallelujah. Everyone's like, thank you for saying that, Aiden. I know this thing has been abused in church. It's been used to judge people. It has been used to condemn people. But I want to take a quick moment and explain something, something, something to you. My English is up for the day. Let's go back to that verse in Hebrews where it says, exhort one another. That word exhort, some of your Bibles might actually translate that word to warn, you know, like someone like that. But that word actually originates from two different words. The two words that make up that word exhort in your Bible means the following. The first one means alongside, like next to me. And the second one means to call. So when we say you must exhort someone, and this is where people get it wrong often, exhortation is not me standing at a distance judging you. <laughs> exhortation is not me standing at a distance telling other people, listen, Ferdi needs to like sort out that like you, right? You, you agree with me. We love Ferdi, but he has an issue with that. That is not exhortation, friends. When we read this, Biblical exhortation is this. I call you to come alongside me because I see you struggling and I want to help you in love. That is exhortation. So if you're not willing to walk the road with your brother and sister towards healing, wholeness and holiness, don't even attempt to exhort them. Because it means I see, I see what is tripping you up. I see that sin that you're struggling with. I see the addiction. I see the shackles keeping you from what God desires for your life. And I love you enough to call you to come alongside me so that we can walk the journey together. That's beautiful, right? 
I'll put my hand up for that any day of the week. I've been on the receiving end of this. And it's a beautiful thing when someone loves me enough to tell me, Aiden, I can see you struggling with this. Let me come alongside you and help you and encourage you and call out the truth of God over your life so that you can heal and be restored and be holy like God is holy. Would you be open to that from your brothers and sisters in church? But the rule is don't, don't exhort someone if you're not willing to walk the road with them because that's judging people. That's condemning people. Thirdly, so firstly, brothers and sisters build up. Secondly, brothers and sisters call out. And thirdly, brothers and sisters come under. What does that mean? To come under literally means to support, to strengthen, and to carry Galatians 5 verse 13 says, use your freedom to serve one another in love. He writes about it again. We can't do any of this if I haven't first experienced God's love for myself. I'm going to get to that in a moment. 1 Corinthians 12 verse 25 says, this makes for harmony among church members. So he's writing, what helps churches to feel harmonious and peaceful. And then he says, the members care for each other. Can I say, I was on the receiving end of this this week, right? This week, our little boy, he had to go to the hospital twice for like procedures on his foot. We had a little accident at home. And this week, I was literally carried by you guys, my brothers and sisters in church. How? You brought us a meal. You brought us food saying, listen, I know your little boy is sick. He might be in pain. Let me bring you supper. You don't have to worry about that. Isn't that, a, that's, that's one of my favorite things about church, to be honest. <laughs> the fact, not, not getting free food, that, that as well. Because in this church, we get free food a lot, right? But one of my favorite things about belonging to this church family is because I know you love me. <laughs> you love me to build me up. You love me enough to call me out. And you love me enough to come under when we need support when we need to be strengthened. If you've ever wondered, what does it look like to belong to a church? That's what it looks like. It means you have siblings around you. They're not perfect. No one is. But you have people around you that walk the road with you, that build you up, that call you out when you need the truth of God in your life. And they love you enough to strengthen you, to carry you, to support you when you need it. Now, when it comes to building up, calling out, and coming under, it's very easy to fall into the mentality of, okay, this is what a Christian does, so I'm just going to do it. You know, I'm going to be the best Christian there is. I'm going to encourage people. I'm going to pray for them. I'm going to tell everyone how beautiful they are. I love, I love their ears and their noses and everything is amazing. I'm going to call them out. I'm going to journey with them. I'm going to walk the road with them. I'm going to take them supper. I'm going to care for them. I'm going to strengthen them. It's easy to fall into the mentality of just religion when it comes to that, right? You can very easily now write all these things down and then put it on your, you know, mirror at home and be like, okay, step one in Christianity, build up. Step two in Christianity, call out. Step three in Christianity, come under. That is not the right thing to do, all right? Why is all of this possible? 
Why is it possible to build up my brother, to call him out and walk a journey with him, to come under and support them when they need it? Simple. The Holy Spirit. Did you know it's Pentecost Sunday? Did you know that? Pentecost Sunday is the day we celebrate the coming of the Holy Spirit to fill and baptize the believers so that they can actually live an empowered life full of the authority and the blessing and the love of God. This is a crucial thing to speak about because none of this will be possible if you do not have the Holy Spirit. If you try and attempt any of this without the Holy Spirit, it'll be religion and you will be tired by tomorrow afternoon. <laughs> but if you do this with the partnership of the Holy Spirit, my friend, church will be this incredible thing. And not just in here, but church out there will be God glorifying. This city will change if we start one anothering like this out there. Let me read you from Acts uh, well, in John 13, Jesus tells his disciples he's going to leave them. They all panic. They go, Jesus, you can't do that. But then in John chapter 14, he's like, psych, but I'm going to come back. I'm not going to leave you as orphans. And then they're like, Jesus, that's a sick joke to make. And then he does leave. And then they're like, okay, but Jesus said he is going to come back. We now need to wait, right? Because he said we need to wait. And then what happens? This happens. Acts chapter 2 verse one to four, it says, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated. Just imagine that. That's crazy, right? And came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Jesus did come back. But he did not come back in the way they expected. He sent his Holy Spirit to fill them, to empower them, to give them this incredible new intimate relationship with God. And friends, this is why we are able to be brothers and sisters in church. Otherwise, it would be religion. If you attempt any of this without the Holy Spirit, you will be burnt out by the end of the week from trying to build up everyone, calling out everyone, journeying with everyone, caring for everyone. So I wanna suggest if you struggle to love people in this church, could it be that you really need the Holy Spirit to fill you? You need the Holy Spirit to fill you with the love of God. You need to experience it for yourself first. I'd like to invite the worship team to join me on stage. I want to end tonight with this thought. This really, like, it blew my mind. I love this. So you can forget everything I just said, but just remember this, right? There is a language that's, um, it's not a very well-known language. It's only spoken in a very small region in Mexico, actually. And I might, I might mispronounce it, but the language is called Otomi. Otomi. I don't know how to say it, but something like that, right? And in this, this specific language, it's only spoken in a very small region in Mexico, the word for brother, right, like my sibling, the word for brother is not a noun. They don't have a noun to describe that. The word for brother in this language is a verb. 
So you can't say, he is my brother. You would get zero if you write that in an essay in that place. You can't say, he is my brother. The way you speak in that language is you say, he brothers me. I brother him. Isn't that crazy? And then what's added onto that is they have two words that sound exactly the same, but they're spelled differently. So it's a, it's a homophone. I remember learning that in school. But when it comes to this word brother, it comes from two different words. And the one, um, they sound exactly the same. So in the one when you say, he is my brother or we brother each other, the flip side of that is you're actually saying we walk together. It's the action of walking. You can't say he is my brother in this language. You'll get a note for that. Instead, you say he brothers me. I brother him. And when you say that, you're actually saying we, we walk together. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that church? Friends, that is church. Brothering each other. I brother you. You guys, you brother me. That is church. If you're visiting and you've wondered, what is church about? That is church. That is how this church family is going to go about church. We're going to brother each other. And that's what we want to end off with tonight. I believe there are two groups of people here tonight. First group, you've been here a while. You like this church because the worship is nice and the coffee is free and there's hot chocolate. I mean, what's not to like? You've been here for a while, but you haven't brothered yet. You haven't taken that step. And I want to invite you tonight, if that's you, if you haven't taken that step to brother this church and to brother the people sitting around you and to be brothered by the people around you, won't you take that step tonight? It's the best thing you can do. And it's really simple. Maybe you need to join a group. Maybe you need to join a space somewhere where people can actually start brothering you and you can start brothering others. I believe that's the first group. You need to take that step and connect to the family so that you can be built up, so that you can be journeyed with when it comes to sin and pain, so that you can be cared for. Second group. My aunt did this. Second group. Second group. The brothers and sisters that belong to this church. My brothers and my sisters. You belong to this church. But you need to be brother tonight. You need to be either built up. You're in need of encouragement. You need someone to encourage you, to come and build you up, to come and pray for you, to come and speak the truth of God over your life. Some of you might need to be built up tonight. Some of you need to be called out. You know you're stuck in something that's keeping you back from enjoying the fullness of God. And you need someone to call you to come alongside them so that they can actually walk a journey with you so that you can get free from that thing and live a life that is whole and holy. 
That's where some of you are at. And some of you need, some of you, I keep doing this. Some of you need to be practically supported. You need someone to come and help you with something. For us this week, that was a food roster. You guys just bringing us supper so we can care for our boy. You brothered us this week. Some of you need practical support. Some of you need someone to come and lift some of the burdens that you're carrying in a practical way. And guess what? Some of you are really good at that. You might be bad at praying, but you're good at that. You're good at helping. You're good at caring. You are good at lightening the load of your brother or sister. So can I invite you? If you fall into one of those three categories, you need to be built up. You need some encouragement. You need someone to come and pray for you, to come and speak life over you. If that's you, can I invite you to stand? Do you want to be built up tonight? Secondly, you don't have to stand yet. Secondly, if you know you're struggling with something and it's keeping you back, it's keeping you shackled from the joy that Jesus has for you and you need someone to journey with you so that that thing will no longer keep you back. And then lastly, if you just need someone to come and care for you in a very practical way by bringing you a coffee, or bringing you supper at home. Did you know that is one of the most spiritual things you can do is bringing someone supper when they are in a time of distress? So I want to invite you, if you are in one of those three categories, you need to be built up, you need to be called out a little, or you need to be cared for. Can I invite you to be brave and to stand for a moment? Just stand where you're at, in your seat, because we want to brother you. We want to brother you tonight. Your brothers and sisters next to you, they want to brother you. If you're close to someone like that, you're going to brother them. If you're close to someone that's standing, I want you to get up and I want you to go put your hand on that person because you're going to brother them this moment. You're going to brother them. I want you to ask that person, what do you need from me? What do you need from me? I am your brother. I am your sister. What do you need from me in this moment so that I can build you up, so that I can encourage you, so that I can support you? Make sure there's no one alone. Does anyone still need someone? Do you have a brother or a sister next to you? We're going to take a few minutes and here's what I want you to do. I want you to brother that person. I want you to pray for them. I want you to encourage them. I want you to build them up. I want you to call out the truth of God in their life. I want you to ask them, how can I support you? What do you need from me? I am your brother in this moment. I am your sister in this moment. How can I brother you? How can I serve you? How can I encourage you so that you can experience the love that our Father has for you? Let's take a moment. You can turn to each other, pray together. Let's brother each other for a moment. And then we're going to end off by responding in worship. Let's take some time. Brother each other. What a message. If you feel that someone would benefit from this, share it with them. We are all about family on mission.